happy Easter. And I want to know, I'm going to move up because I'm afraid I'm going to trip on something. Um, are there any gardeners in the room today? Any gardeners watching online? Go ahead and comment. I'm a gardener if that's you. I'm into gardening. Um, now, um, how many wannabe gardeners like me? I really want to be a gardener. Um, but see, my thumb is anything but green, as you can tell by my sweet plant that I got six months ago. I just, I don't understand why the leaves are turning yellow. I water it. I give it sunshine. I just, I don't get it. So I'm uh, just asking the Lord to renew my thumb. <laughs> and I don't know how many of you guys, have, have you ever planted a vegetable garden? That's goals for me. Like, I want to be able to do that one day. So you know the process, right? And for those of us that aren't gardeners, but you definitely, I'm sure you learned it in science class. So you need soil. You need water. You need sunshine and seeds. Without the seed, even if you have all the other elements Nothing is going to happen. The seed is needed. And I believe that there exists a defining moment, a life-changing moment, if you will, in the life of a seed. It is buried in the soil, and in darkness it dies. The death of the seed is necessary so that it can produce new life. Jesus says in John 12, 24, it says, I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But its death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. In the verse prior to that, Jesus says, now the time has come for the Son of Man to enter into his glory. See, Jesus was speaking about a defining moment in his life that was fast approaching. It was his death and resurrection. So I want to tell you that you came on an important Sunday. On a Sunday like this, in 2005, I walked into a church, unbeknownst to me, on Easter Sunday. See, I didn't grow up celebrating Easter, so I had no idea why this church was making such a big deal about Easter. I mean, yeah, I went to the park and, you know, participated in the egg hunts as a kid, and I loved the bunny-shaped chocolates I would get. They were delicious. See, but up to that point, I had no idea um, what Easter really was about. So what's the big deal about Easter? See, I didn't realize that for believers across the globe, people that profess to follow Jesus, Easter is a global celebration of a historical event, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Amen. And see, our faith as Christians or believers hinges on this life changing moment on this truth, the resurrection of a man who was unjustly crucified on a cross, his body laid in a tomb only for it to rise again to new life three days later. 
he reproved what he had said. I am the resurrection and the life. See, these three days changed the world, our perception of God and his want for us, his want for you. So happy Easter. Feliz Pascua. That's how you say it in Spanish if you want to know. Feliz Pascua. So I'm going to ask you just, why don't you high five someone in the room today and tell them happy Easter. If you're joining us online, would you comment in the comments, happy Easter. Happy Easter. Well, my name is Ilsean, and I uh, put it, the pronunciation to make it easier for you because my mama wanted an original name. Her name was Maria, and she said, no, no, my daughter will have a name that nobody else has and that nobody can pronounce. So, um, Ilsean, I'm so glad to be here. I, along with my husband, Carlos, we get to lead and pastor this church that we call Evergreen. We are so grateful. And like I said, again, you are joining us on a very important Sunday, the resurrection. Resurrection Sunday, some of us know it as. Some of us know it as Easter. But uh, maybe you walked in today and like me, back in the day, you had no idea what you were walking into. You don't know why or what we celebrate. Um, Or maybe you came in and you got seated because your friend or a family member invited you. Maybe you were promised lunch afterwards, so you decided to come. (laughs) Perhaps you are here despite your fears, doubts, and hesitancy about faith and religion. I'm really glad you're here. See, there are those of us that are here that we're excited because we know there was an empty tomb and there's a reason to celebrate. But I want you to know this. I want you to know that this message is not just for Christians, but this message is for everybody. So I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them it's for you. It's for you. And now I want you to point to yourself and say, it's for me. It's for me. C.S. Lewis, who was among the most influential Christian writers of the 20th century, who at a point in his life became an avowed atheist, wrote this. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance, and if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. See, there is indisputable disputable historical evidence of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is alive. And it matters because Jesus' resurrection makes your future certain and unimaginable. There is a hope that goes beyond our circumstances with Jesus And see, there is an account that we're about to read about this moment in history, and it's found in John 20, and you're welcome to follow along if you have your Bible, or if you have your Bible app, you can open it, or we also have it on the screen, so no worries, we'll have it for you. But it says this, early on Sunday morning, while it was still dark, 
Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance. She ran and found Simon and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved. She said, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb and we don't know where they have put him. Peter and the other disciples started out for the tomb and they were both running. But the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. Competitive much? (laughs) He had to write it in there, right? And it says later that he stooped and looked in and saw that linen wrappings lying there, but he didn't go in. Then Simon Peter arrived and went inside, and he also noticed the linen wrappings lying there. And in verse 7, it says, While the cloth, cloth that had covered Jesus' head was folded up and lying apart from the other wrappings, then the disciple who had reached the tomb first also went in. He saw and believed. For until then, they still hadn't understood the scriptures that said Jesus must rise from the dead, and they went home. See, we we come to this point in the story where the resurrection has happened. It has taken place, but the disciples were not aware of it. Mary, Peter, and John were expecting to find a tomb with the body of Jesus in it. She had the spices ready. Her concern was, who's going to roll away the stone? See, her expectation and their expectation was that uh, Jesus' body would be there, that they would find Jesus' body. But because, as Annalise Stanley says, nobody expected no body, Right? Nobody expected nobody. An empty tomb was not part of their expectation. Yet there it was. And this is what I draw from this, is that God had been at work. Even though maybe he was silent. He had been at work. He was at work before they even encountered God's miracle-working power. And see, Mary, in her grief and disappointment, because we're always aware of God's work in our lives, we aren't always aware of God's work in our lives. And Mary, in her grief and her disappointment, she says in verse 2, they have taken the Lord's body out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. She had jumped to conclusions, right? And isn't that what we do? That's what I do in the midst of my disappointment and my grief. When I can't make sense of things, I jump to conclusions. When life doesn't go the way I expect it to go, I assume. I assume things about God. I assume things about my friends and my family, about my circumstances. So let's continue reading in verse 11. It says that Mary was standing outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she stooped and looked in. She saw two white-robed angels, one sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. Dear woman, why are you crying? The angels asked her. 
And here she is again. She says, because they have taken away my Lord, and I don't know where they have put him. And in verse 14, it continues that she turned to leave and saw someone standing there. It was Jesus, but she didn't recognize him. And it says, dear woman, why are you crying? Jesus asked her, who are you looking for? She thought it was the gardener, right? And it makes sense. It made sense that she thought that because nobody was expecting a resurrected Jesus. So it totally made sense that she thought this person is the gardener. And she said, sir, if you have taken him, tell me where you have put him and I will go and get him. I appreciate Mary's honesty and determination. She's saying, look, look, Mr. Gardner, I'm going to figure this out. I will do it on my own. Just tell me where the body is. I will go and get him. Right? I don't know how she met. I I just don't know. She probably did CrossFit or something. Um, See, but one of the things that I've noticed is that in trying to figure out life on my own, especially in the midst of disappointment, in the midst of shattered hopes, the truth is that I mess it up. When I try to figure out life on my own, That is when I mess it up even more. How about you? And see, there in the midst of her trying to figure out, trying to figure it out without him, Jesus calls her name. Mary, Jesus says, and she turned to him and cried out, Rabboni, which means Um, teacher in Hebrew, and he said, don't cling to me, for I haven't yet ascended to the Father, but go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Then it says that Mary Magdalene found the disciples and told them, I have seen the Lord. Then she shared the message with them. See, this is a defining, life-changing moment for Mary. And it happens at the speaking of her name by a risen Jesus. See, in the Jewish culture, women would not make eye contact with strangers, especially not if they were men. So maybe it's that she had kept her eyes down the entire time and not really had looked up to see who was speaking to her. Or maybe there was something about the way that Jesus spoke her name. I'm not sure what it was, but what I do know is that because we cannot figure it out on our own, God provided Jesus. And why would God give us Jesus? In a conversation with a skeptic skeptic named Nicodemus, Jesus answers this question, and it is recorded in John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. And it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son to condemn the world, 
but to save the world through him. For God so loved. God's love made a way for the unimaginable future for you through the cross. And this is the truth that I want you to know if you don't hear anything else I say. God loves you. Not just the ones that follow the rules and have good morals. It says that he so loved the world. That includes you. You are included in that. And for the longest time, what I believed was that God was out to get me. That if I didn't behave or perform in a certain way, if I didn't earn his love, then that God would condemn me. But the truth is that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. See, you don't have to earn his love. There is nothing you can do that can make him love you more. And there is nothing you can do that can make him love you less. He loves you, period. That's what you get when I hang out with youth. <laughs> and the book of Hebrews says that for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the cross. See, you were his motivation. It's not just the nails that held Jesus to the cross, but it was his love for you. For the joy set before him, he endured because he loves you. And notice that Jesus says to Mary, go find my brothers and tell them I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. What was he saying to her? See, it's not just about me and my father is what Jesus was saying, but it's about including you in that relationship. His want for you. And Jesus' obedience on the cross made a way for you and me to have relationship with God. And we know that not only did he die on a cross, but that he rose again as he had predicted. Right? We read it in John. It says that I tell you the truth. Unless a kernel of wheat is planted in the soil and dies, it remains alone. But it's death will produce many new kernels, a plentiful harvest of new lives. See, he rose again for you. And as he rose, we rise to new life in him. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we are a new creation, and that is what we get to celebrate in baptisms. Right? When people go down into the water, they are identifying themselves with what Jesus did. They are dying to their sins just as Jesus died for us. And then he goes on to say that they are raised to new life in him. 
And that is what people are declaring when they get baptized and come out of the water. So congratulations for those of you that made that decision today. We are proud of you. See, his death produced a plentiful harvest of new lives. And that life is extended to you. That life extends to you. He gives us beauty for ashes, hope for despair, peace for anxiety, healing for brokenness, from graves to gardens because of the resurrection. And that is only possible because of what Jesus did. This is why this day is so important to us. We celebrate that he rose again, that because of God's power, Jesus lives and you and I have a future that is certain. We have a future that is good. We have a future that is full of hope that we can put our trust in Jesus and what he did for us. So I want to invite you into this moment. Hopefully when you walked in, you received a piece of paper that looks something like this. And there is a pen in the seat pocket in front of you. Or maybe if you're in the front row, it'll be behind you. And for those joining us online, we could not get one of these to you, but you can grab any paper that you have available, a receipt, whatever, just grab a paper. And if the worship team could come up, that'd be amazing. And just hold it in your hand. I'm going to ask you some questions. I'm going to give you time to respond. But today could be a defining moment in your life. And I want to ask you a personal question. What's broken in your life that you want Jesus to bring to healing? What's dead that only God can bring to life? I want you to think about it. And if you are here, maybe you walked in and you've never heard that God loves you. You definitely heard that. But the truth is that he loves you, that he gave his son for you. Not only to die, but to rise again so that you would know forgiveness of sins and eternal life. So if you're here and today you're choosing to repent, that means that you are going to stop trying to figure it out on your own. You're going to stop trying to go your own way and instead of going far from God, you're going to turn to God. So if you're here and you're choosing to repent, to believe and follow Jesus for the first time, or maybe there's some of you, you made that choice. 
that for whatever the reason, there's been this distance or you felt distant from God, I want to invite you to take this piece of paper that you received and that you would write on it, I'm choosing Jesus. If you're choosing to believe and follow Jesus today. Now, for those of us that have already chosen Jesus, I want to invite you to write on this piece of paper, what dead thing does God want to bring to life in you or in your family? What's broken that he wants to bring to healing? Is it a dream? A relationship? What unimaginable hope can God bring to life in you? What unimaginable future are you trusting him with today? And I wanna give you time to respond. So the band's just gonna play, you have a pen, and go ahead and write on your piece of paper. Hopefully you had time to respond, to write. The paper that you wrote on is seed paper. And I want to encourage you to take it with you. And that you would plant it, even if you're not a gardener. And as you plant those seeds, that you would trust God to bring his resurrection power to those dead, broken things, relationships, dreams, hopes. Or for those of you that are choosing, making a decision for Jesus today, that you would believe that he is calling you to life, from death to life. And for our friends online, I'm just going to invite you. You probably can't plant your paper because it's not going to do anything. But I'm going to invite you to put it in a place where it's visible. Keep it in front of you so that you can keep reminding yourself of what you are trusting God with. And when the time is right, at God's perfect time, it will bear fruit that will come to life. And you will see the seeds breaking through the ground of the soil in your heart 
for the things that only God can bring his resurrection power to. Because he's that mighty and he's that powerful and he loves you that much. The seed has to die, but it will bring about harvest in your life. And now I wanna invite you to take your paper in your hands and close your eyes. And I'm asking you to close your eyes for privacy and to keep you from getting distracted. But in a minute, we're going to pray. But before we do, with everybody's eyes closed, if you wrote on the piece of paper that you are choosing Jesus today, I want to know who you are. So would you look up at me right now? If that's you, if you made a decision for Jesus, if you wrote on your piece of paper, I'm choosing Jesus, would you look up? I want to see you. I want to know who you are. I see you. If there's anybody else, I see you. I see you. If there's anybody else, just look up at me. I just want to know. I want to agree with you. I see you. I see you all the way in the back. I see you. I see you. Lord, your word says that with men it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. So Father, thank you that our hope is in Jesus. And because of his resurrection, we have a living hope. So Lord, my prayer is that you would be the God to bring those things to life that we need in our lives. And Lord, I pray for those that have made a decision for you today that you would seal your Holy Spirit in their hearts, that you would seal them with your Holy Spirit, that they would know you, that they would walk with you, and that you would help them in those moments that it gets challenging, that they would know that they're not in it alone, but you are there walking with them. Father, I pray for your church. I pray for everyone present here and online, for your Holy Spirit to empower us to live a life of resurrection, a power that is beyond our own and ourselves and our own ability. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus' name, I'm going to invite you to say amen, which means let it be so. Amen.